has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. Well, I have to tell you, as someone who is a professional educator and one that teaches U.S. history, America, um, (laughs) it often pains me to say much, if anything, nice about... The French. Mm. Now, Barb, I realize that you have a close tie to the French with the whole French-Canadian thing. It's, it's still different. It's still different? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and so all, all that to say that I'm leading this week's bod with commending French. our French brothers and sisters who are Star Wars fans in okay. particular. Can, it you, was, can you say something in French? Oui. <laughs> no. Sacre bleu. <laughs> I dated a woman from Paris once, <laughs> and, and this is this is how desperate I was to impress the young lady. I took her to a country music concert, and for those of you that know me for any length of time, you know that was impressive. That's impressive because I can't stand country music. Oh, and so li- listen to mm-hmm. that little soliloquy that I was taking a woman from France to a country music concert. I, I've, for those of you that are familiar with um, classic literature, this is, I believe, probably the sixth, maybe seventh circle of Dante's hell, yeah. as he describes in Inferno. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, back to the pod. Yes, sorry. Go um, ahead. <laughs> so France has now sanctioned lightsaber fighting as an official sport. It's an official thing. Now, obviously, they're not real laser swords, but the kinds that you can find through eBay and other places, um, you can get your own lightsaber to make noises. That it's the colors, whatever color you want it to be, makes it's the amazing. sounds. You can smack it against another one, and it's, and it's kind of taking like a fencing 2.0. So here's my question. Here's my question. Let's assume that this goes to the Olympics, that lightsaber fighting becomes an Olympic event, which would actually start to draw people back to watching the Olympics, no doubt about it. So let me ask this. Barb, give me another Star Wars-related event that could be an Olympic event that we could get behind that's not lightsaber dueling. Pod racing? No, Tauntaun racing. Tauntaun racing? <laughs> Excellent. Even pod racing. That'd be good. Okay, pod, pod racing. racing. Tauntaun racing. Bex, any thoughts on that? Another Star I was Wars related. Pod racing. Okay, well, <laughs> it's taken. What else you got? <laughs> Nothing. Mm. Man, that's a bummer. I know. I'm you know, starting to spring it on you like that. I know. Rude. It is rude. I had no time to prepare. We could do. Now, now see, in the. Is it the Summer Olympics that has the gymnastics? Is that right? Yes. So, oh, we could add it to the shooting and, ah, you know, they could. No, no stormtroopers would ever like <laughs> advance to the gold medal round That's on true. that. That's true. Uh, so that would be good. I thought another one since, you know, they have like the floor routine for gymnastics. We could mm-hmm. have like kind of like the, the Ula dancers um, dance off. <laughs> um, I think a lot of dudes would be into that personally. I'm just going to go out on him and say um, that. Okay. So France, if you're listening or you're viewing live on the Twitter right now, Great step forward. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. See some tauntauns out there, some pod racing, some ULA dancers. Olympics, here we come. Where's the Olympics going to be this next summer? I don't even know. This summer? 
Is it this summer? Je ne sais pas. One more time in English, please. I don't know. Oh. Oh, was that French? Yes. Oh, okay. French toast. Now, there's something I can get behind. French fries, not so much. Those carbs. <laughs> and there's not carbs in French toast. <laughs> but at least it's good carbs. It's healthy carbs. It depends on the toast. I'm getting... Sh- okay. All right. It's totally unhealthy, so what? My goodness. Try to lead, to compliment our French brothers and sisters, and uh, this is what I get. Well, listen, we've got some fun things to talk to you about tonight. Um, before we get there, of course, um, my name is Devin Clever. I'm the curator of content for this 172nd episode of Unmistakably Star Wars. Joining me tonight in the USW World Headquarters, my goodness, it's it's th- this is amazing. I don't even know if this has actually ever happened before. Yeah. Or not. One time? One, one time in like four years. So to my left... Barb the Canadian. Hey, everybody. And to my right, Fun Auntie Bex. Hey, guys. This is, this is exciting. The studio is yeah. jam-packed. There's actually, we've got, a, we've got a one-way glass for the street, and the people on the street are looking. They're not. We don't have one-way glass. I'm just saying that because it sounds like they have on the, the Good Morning America show where people on the street are holding up signs. Yeah. We don't have that. We don't have that. Not yet. Not yet. We're hopeful, though. Soon. Yes. Very soon. <laughs> in fact, uh, let's talk about what we got going on in the news this week. Hey, I don't know if you're aware of this, my little tauntauns, but um, you've heard of the social justice warriors running amok on Twitter. My goodness, have they finally gone for the original trilogy and the original trilogy characters? Is this where things are headed now? We're going to talk about how feminists are overtaking the original trilogy through animation. Kids, watch out. Did I sell that enough? Was that again? I, I felt very Fox Newsish on that. Was mm-hmm. that good? It was. Okay, yes. good. Also in the news. <laughs> also in the news, Disney rumors are swirling around the desert about some other possible uh, Disney Plus streaming shows we may get coming up. Uh, in fact, a long laundry list of show possibilities has hit the interwebs last week. And then we finally get a little bit of insight from J.J. Abrams regarding episode nine. And he actually responds to the question, hey, how much of the Last Jedi backlash went into the factoring of what happens in Episode Nine? So we'll talk about that in the new segment. And then we're continuing on with our series, What's My Line? Talking about the most pivotal lines of dialogue for characters. Those moments where we get some insight into their story arc. And we're taking a little bit of a segue. We're going to talk about droids tonight. Generically speaking, so that could be any droid within the Star Wars universe, within film... Within comics, within animation, the possibilities are endless. With that, let's jump into our top three news stories of the week. Number three. All right, so listen, as you're probably aware, Star Wars fans, that Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures are these animated shorts that take parts of the original trilogy thus far and animate them largely using dialogue and sound effects from the actual films. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of restylized, obviously, to try to reach that younger audience. I dig it. I obviously oversold it in the opening of the show. <laughs> but but it, interestingly enough, and no surprise to anyone, when one of the latest episodes came out, there was backlash on Twitter to, to varying extents and certainly in, in some pockets. So... <laughs> Let me kind of give you some context, oh dear listeners, before we start grabbing for our devices and tweeting out. So here's the deal. So the the scene from one of the most recent ones is we've got 
Princess Leia being rescued by Luke in the Death Star, right? Then we've got the scene in the corridors where they're fighting until they go down into the trash compactor. We've also got a quick shot of Luke and Leia on the ledge before in the film he gets out his grappling hook and they swing across, right? When we have that so awkward brother-sister kiss (laughs) that Bex, you're a big fan of. (laughs) You're terrible. I just have a great memory is what it comes down to. terrible memory. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, I'm going to tell the story, Bex. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, when Bex first came onto the pod, which I was really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And I misspoke. Yeah. And he's never let me forget it. Never. Never will I. Ever. In fact. This is how good of a friend he is. Yeah. Oh, friend. You thought we were friends. That's cute. Um, So he's been the best friend of me I've ever had for the last nine years. Wow. But I'm still going to tell the story. Um, so <laughs> Bex was asked, this is her first first episode she was on, and I asked her, what, what, what was her most, what, what was the question, what, which, I guess. I'm not helping you with yeah, this at thank all. You. Which ro- romantic encounter within Star Wars was your favorite? Right, I remember. And, and I meant to say Han and Leia. But you said. I said Luke and Leia. Luke and Leia. <laughs> Love me some brother-sister stuff. And I was horribly embarrassed then. Yeah. And my hands are like sweaty because you brought this up. <laughs> it's if okay. I was to remember, I, it was cut from the actual podcast. That's the beauty of post Yeah, but now it's out. But now it's out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh, he, he hangs on to this. Oh, I, I do. know. I do. I do. I know. Yeah, it's true. Rude. Yeah, it's what I do. All right, so back to this. Um, so we've got these scenes. However, in, in the film, of course, you, you remember that Luke gets out after he... he Blast the door shut with his blaster. He gets out his grappling hook and then they swing across, right? Mm-hmm. But in the animated Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, we see Luke in the background with the grappling cable wrapped all around him. Wrapped all around him like he's an inept bumbling fool. And Leia basically just takes control of that situation That's as well. pretty much what happened. He's like fumbling with it in the movie. No, he's not. Oh, he is. He's and getting some slack in the line. For crying out loud. He was in the animation also. Just oh my gosh. Slack. So you two are okay with this then? I thought this it was feminist hor- propaganda? I thought it was hilarious. Oh my. It was funny. When he's jumping on the back of the speeder, that was the best. That was really good. I can see that you have absolutely no respect for canon. It was... It was all the audio from the original trilogy and the images. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's okay to take the original audio and completely tweak it out of context and fit with your completely deluded, delusional version of events? Isn't that what we do as fans? (laughs) We take what we want and twist it to fit what our perception is? That hurts. Fun Auntie Bex. I mean... Lightsaber to the heart. Yeah, that that was really hitting the nail on the head right there. <laughs> it's kind of what we do with everything we love. Wow. We take the parts we love and then twist it so it's what we want it to be. The only My part, wife would agree with you. <laughs> the only part that was really embellishing yes. was getting tangled. Right. Everything else was on point. Okay. Maya's so, always been a badass. <laughs> oh, of course. Who could argue that? So here's my question, though. It, and obviously yes, my, 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 my outrage is faux outrage on this. But do you feel, Bex, that this is in any way like we're – obviously some folks are concerned about how this perverts canon. And I'm, I'm using – I'll use air quotes because that is one of the 
the uh, pieces that I read on the interwebs last week that someone was concerned that this quote unquote perverts canon, right? To what degree should we, if at all, be concerned with this? <laughs> Honestly, yes. I don't think we should be concerned with it at okay. all. I think it was a fun little clip that somebody pulled together the best parts yeah. of Leia taking charge on things. Barbie degree? Zero degree. Zero degree? We should not be worried at all? Okay. I have to confess I'm with you both. <laughs> you just like, you. That was good faux outrage, though. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I almost bought it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll work harder for the rest of the pod. Maybe I'll, I'll get you to buy in at some point. Listen, I, I love the little twists and turns, that, the little nuances that they're doing with this, just like the Forces of Destiny did, too, right? Mm-hmm. They had the little nuances, little insight little windows of, of different perspective into the characters, into the situation. I like this. I, I really am a fan of the animation style as well. This is the first time yeah. we've seen this animation style and I'm really kind of digging it. It's kind of this crossover. Yeah. It's a little bit of like n- late eighties, early nineties cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think it's fun. It is. What do you think would be something that they might do to throw another curveball at fandom? That might piss somebody off, Barb. What do you think? Like, what what could be the next thing that they do that like perverts canon? Oh gosh, that's a tough one on the spot. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's how we work it here. <sighs> oh, I could have so many good ideas if you gave me like five minutes to think about. I'll it. give you five seconds. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well said, Barb. Bex, how about you? <laughs> Something with Palpatine. Something where he is completely out of character and... I don't know. We see a soft side to him. <laughs> Something no. like that. Just where picking like, daisies okay. on that boo. Yeah. yeah. I'll get nice. like, wait nice. a minute. That's nice. way too off. And that's nice. He's out in the field petting nerfs. <laughs> he, he's, the, he's the original nerf herder. That'd be pretty awesome. I can just I mean, imagine on, the smoke not? emanating from people's heads. Oh, just for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Just for, just for thinking blasphemy. Um, It'll be interesting as we get further down, especially if they go into other characters and we start to see like Jen Erso and mm-hmm. Ray, Rose Tico. And I, listen, I think we're at this, this critical juncture in, in fandom. And I'm going to go so far as to say is, while this podcast hasn't directly been the victim of, of too many cyber assaults. I mean, we've had some folks throw some stuff at us and it just kind of bounces off of us. But it's it's interesting that at this point, I think some of the other folks that we personally know and have relationships with it within fandom, the outrage that we see, it's just kind of like, it, it's not even, it's just white noise at this point. Yeah. It's just like, it, like we it's almost like we're feeling sorry for those people at this point. Like move along, please find something better to do with your life. Donate it's- some time at a shelter. I don't know. Walk a dog, <laughs> adopt a bird, something, right? I mean, it's just got a white noise in the background. At least that's my perspective. All right, moving on to story number two. (laughs) Number two. All right. Hey, here's where it's going to get a little bit fun. J.J. Abrams, remember him? He's talking about episode nine, which is due in roughly days from now. And not only is that exciting... But um, we're now launching into the the realm of celebration around the corner, all types of speculation. Are we going to get a trailer? Are we not going to get a trailer? If we get a trailer, will it be a double wide? All these questions. <laughs> with that, with that in mind, here's what he was asked by ET Online, and here's how he responded. 
basically, he was asked, hey, all of the fan backlash from episode eight, how much of that carried over? How much of that factored into your writing, your directing, all that stuff for episode nine? And, and, and here's how he responds. JJ's quote. No, I think every movie is its own movie, and obviously this is a trilogy. The profound, profound quote by J.J. Abrams here. He goes on to say, we brought to that movie, meaning episode nine, all the passion and hard work that we could no matter what. So I think the story speaks for itself. I really, truly can't wait for you to see it, he added. Profound thoughts from J.J. Abrams. Um this obviously doesn't give us any insight. JJ is all about the mystery, the mystery boxes, all that stuff. Obviously, Lucasfilm, Disney are keeping their cards close to the vest for a variety of reasons. And one of them probably has to do with what's coming up at Celebration. But, and Barb, let me begin with you on this one. Do you think that, one, this is reality? Do you think that fan backlash in any way may have shaped what they did for Nine? I... I would want to say no. Okay. And I would, I tend to trust what J.J. Abrams is saying here. That, you know, he he went into this movie with, you know, all the energy and excitement that he would nonetheless. Yeah. Whatever the, the end to The Last Jedi was or the result of the backlash was. Yeah. And... Yeah, I I don't think that he would write to satisfy the crowd. He's going to write what needs to be written Yeah, and direct what needs to be written. And he said, you know, the biggest one is we'll be satisfied. And I trust that. Right. And I think that is the key, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how that's quantifiable because fandom is so diverse. Well, it's for so subjective. Yeah, I mean, right. You, you can't quantify that yes. unless you just look at box office numbers. Right. Which, if Force Awakens was anything to indicate from, obviously fans were largely satisfied. Bex, from your perspective, obviously after knowing what happens in The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. whether it's he saw the script, he saw the, the film, whatever else, obviously like there are assumptions that he would make some of his decisions for Episode Nine based on what happened in it, regardless of backlash reception, so. right? Right. With that in mind, let's pretend that something was done within episode nine's storyline mm-hmm. because of fan backlash. Should it ever be revealed? I mean, should that be the secret only after like who shot JFK? Should that be a national secret locked away? Should fandom never, ever know that they had any influence on the storyline? Oh, we should never know. Yeah. Right. Ever. Right. Ever. Because that will be an axe we wield for the rest of forever yes. when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah. It'll open the floodgates. Yeah. Right. And, and, I, and I think yeah. we've already seen that in a number of ways. I mean, in the past, we've had when when Disney came along and they decided they're going to wipe the slate clean as far as mm-hmm. canon, the books go. We had fans literally pitching in to buy billboard space to oh, say, yeah. you know, bring the, the EU back, the expanded universe back. And obviously with the rise of social media and the growth Mm -hmm. and the number on social media, there is an incredible platform for fans to sound off. But I'm with you. I think the last thing that we would ever want to know is that any fans, for good or for bad, like Mm -hmm. even if somebody, you know, one of our our, our good friends at Tatooine Sons podcast came up with the name Turbis for like the lead Porg Mm -hmm. in episode eight, which is fantastic. And I would think that even on those good things, like 
sure, what the hell? Let's name it the Borg Derbis. But we probably don't want... We don't want to know. Well, but we don't want like storyline things. It's like, oh, no. we actually found that on someone's Twitter feed and it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because those guys get spammed enough, right? Yeah. And added enough on, on social media. I'd be curious, and Barb, let me bring it back to you. When it comes to what we have here from J.J. From Abrams, do you think that episode nine could be, ready for it? Could be the most special Star Wars we have? That is my hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about the third installment in a trilogy because you know it's closing the story out. Yeah. You know it's going to conclude everything that we still have questions for. Right. And that impact that it has, I think, like without a doubt, it's going to be the – I'm hoping it's the best one. Yeah. And right now The Force Awakens for me is the best one, so. Of the sequel trilogy. Of the sequel trilogy, yeah. yes. And because J.J. Abrams directed that, I trust that this one's going to be just better. Well, it'll be interesting, too, because based on what we know so far, Ryan Johnson is going to direct an entire trilogy. Right. We know that Benioff and Weiss are going to direct an entire trilogy. So it'll be interesting to see the continuity mm-hmm. when it's the same people behind the camera. Bex, I'm curious, though, going back to Nine, when, when Force Awakens came out, there was incredible buzz. Incredible buzz. It was this event, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Episode Nine, or rather Episode Eight, love it, hate it, whatever. But regardless of your feelings about Episode Eight, we have Episode Nine upon us. And it, mm-hmm. it's what we've been told is going to be like the final chapter in the Skywalker story. Mm-hmm. Are the stakes as high as they've ever been? I, ooh, as high as they've ever been? No. Mm. I think The Force Awakened, the stakes were higher. Really? Because it was garnering that interest again. Okay. And proving that Star Wars is still relevant. Wow, And that people are still interested. Yeah. So I think the stakes were higher in that respect. Yeah. For The Force Awakens. Okay. As far as a conclusion for a story... The stakes have never been higher because yeah. we are concluding nine films right. worth of, I mean, a look inside this family. Mm. So I guess I would say yes and no. Okay. Way to split the middle there. I gave good reasons. You did. I'm just giving you a bad time, Luke and Leia. Um, <laughs> I got to go. See you guys. <laughs> so let me, let me follow up with that then. There's so much writing on this film for a variety of reasons. Let's pretend that every fan mm-hmm. has been fully satisfied with every Star Wars film from start to finish. <laughs> okay, let, let's just let's just start okay. with that. This wraps up so much, mm-hmm. especially those that grew up with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Do you think that when JJ says he hopes people to be satisfied, do you think it's actually possible? For fans to be satisfied with like, – this is this is the closing of the book. The book is now done. It is written. It's it's done. Yes. I think it's possible. Okay. And so how would we get there? Because he doesn't say he wants people to be happy with how it ends. Ah, he okay. wants people to be satisfied. Okay. So to me, satisfaction is I can live with that. Okay. I can live with how that's ended. Okay. So I think that's – a great thing to shoot for. Ah, okay. So then am I understanding you correctly that being satisfied is setting the bar lower than being happy? I think so. Wow. Barb, would you agree with that? No. Okay. Say why. Because I don't think I agree with it either. 
That's okay. Nor do I agree with the whole Luke and Leia romance thing, but go ahead. I just want to get that on the record. Okay, so <laughs> so I think I think when he says we'll be satisfied, there's a bit more um, happiness involved in being satisfied. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I agree with you, Bex, that being satisfied means that, okay, that was good. You know, mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. But at the same token with what we've seen with The Last Jedi and the backlash from that, um, there was a lot of people unsatisfied, yeah. which resulted in a lot right. of bad backlash. Right. Being satisfied, I think, means that you are happy with the way that it ended. I don't, I, no, I don't agree. Because I, I think for some, well. Yeah, go, go. I think for some people, satisfaction is, goes hand in hand with being happy with how something turned out. Yeah. More than once in my life, I have been satisfied with a decision where I haven't necessarily been happy with the outcome. Mm. Where I haven't been mm. like okay. shouting from the rooftops, whoa, this worked out exactly yeah. how I okay. wanted it to. Okay, so I, I would I've agree gone with back that. And been like, okay, I can totally live with this. Yeah. It's not the best thing that I've ever seen or how I necessarily wanted it to end, mm. but I'm content enough that, yeah, okay. Okay, so, the, so I think I'm just I'm coming to, with to, it. I think we need, so understanding common language and how we're defining the terms satisfied, happy, things like well, that. Well, I would agree with Bex that, you know, we can be satisfied with an outcome, but not necessarily happy with it. I guess yeah. when we're specifically talking about the, th- the ninth movie, mm-hmm. I think satisfaction and happiness are going to go hand in hand. Mm. At least I that's hope my they hopes. do. Yeah. That's my hope. I hope they do. Absolutely. And but I don't necessarily think it has to be that way for everyone to be satisfied. Barb, do you think achieving either happiness or satisfaction, acceptance maybe, as far as the final installment of this, do we need to laugh and cry and ponder and have more questions and answers? Do we need all those things to... to get as close to we possibly can with being satisfied with the the closing of the Skywalker saga? I think so. I think you've summed it up really nicely. Leaving too many questions though. Yeah. Will, will not help that satisfaction. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a couple. Yeah. But if there's too many questions left at the end, then it's like, well, you know, it's kind of like at the end of solo, we see mall Mm -hmm. and then it's like, well, is there another solo movie? Like, right. how are we yeah. going to continue this? So you can't leave episode nine with too many questions because mm-hmm. unless we know that they're going to be answered. Okay. It, 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 you know, Return of the Jedi, it ended with a conclusion. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any questions anymore. Right, right. And we were satisfied. Yeah. Well, right. we also thought that that was the only Star Wars we were ever going to get, too. Agreed. Yes, it's. I mean, the story has become more complex than the original trilogy. Right. I would say, you know, yeah. the prequels added the complexity, and now the sequels are, you know, enhancing mm-hmm. that. So, what would be something that you would be okay with that doesn't get answered in Episode Nine? Um, Leia's future. Mm, okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Bex, how about you? Oh, gosh. I think for me, I would want not necessarily Leia's future, but I would want her, well, want answered or not want answered. What's something that you could live with that goes unanswered? Oh, that's let me, harder for Let me. me give you a couple of examples. I would say probably okay. Snoke's, like where he came from. Okay. I'm so Snoke's backstory. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
what about if we find out pure speculation, but what about if we find out if Kylo Ren was just kind of messing with Ray's mind that we don't really know who her parents are? Would you be okay with not ever knowing who's Ray, Ray's parents are? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Why no? Because I am convinced that Kylo Ren was lying to her. Okay. And I also believe that there has to be some significance to where she comes from. And I know there's going to be people that at me because a lot of people were saying she doesn't have to have these great parents. And no, she doesn't. But in my head, she does have parents that are significant. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that'll be something to see whether JJ goes there or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would suspect he may have had something different in mind when he pinned a seven as to how it came out in, in eight, but regardless of such, it would be interesting to see if he addresses that. And it doesn't feel like it's being retconned right. for, for some reason or another. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say that that's a retconning. I would, you know, just by calling Kylo Ren a liar, like right. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I yeah. think there are ways to do it well. And there are ways to make you go, well, I don't know. Okay. You're just trying to get your point across. Well done. <laughs> womp womp. When it comes to, Episode nine, when the credits roll, Mm -hmm. after you see it for the first time, before the house lights come up, what is the one emotion you want most to feel, Bex? I want to be odd. Odd? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Not O D D A W E. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'm just, I, got, I don't. I don't. Where is this going? Where is this going? I. I want. In awe. Yeah. I want to sit there and just have that wow. All right. Okay. And we're good. Yeah. I want that. Do you know what one thing in particular it would take for you to get that feeling of being odd? I think it would depend on how Kylo and Ray, the end to their particular story thread. Okay. With that in mind, is there a particular (laughs) way that that particular story thread would... I want her to kill him. Well, there you go. I That's can't wait I to want. talk more about that down the road. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love it. I'm just saying. I love it. Okay. Well, that, that would. I'm not a shipper. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. We're going we're gonna to have an episode all about shipping. Um, so, uh, sponsored by UPS. Um, we'll, so, we'll come back to the whole Raylo thing much, much later. Um, Barb, what is the emotion that you want to feel most when the credits for episode nine start scrolling up? I don't I don't know the exact emotion. I want to be left breathless. Mm. Like just yeah. so so many emotions. Mm-hmm. But satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back there to we, that. We've come Coming, full circle. But, but I think there's also there's more emotion. I think the Leia aspect is adding more emotion to this episode mm. nine. Yeah, great point. And that alone is gonna leave me speechless at least that's my hope yeah and with what her brother has said about meaning her real life brother todd fisher sorry that's okay yeah um not the one that she's in love with that bex is a big fan of but yeah go ahead <laughs> i'm so just gonna beat that drum it's so, a dead horse dude just let it lie <laughs> but carrie fisher's brother has mm-hmm. said that you know they're they're really excited about yeah. the way that her yeah. role has been right. taken on. And I think the emotion with that alone, you know, set aside 
everything else yeah. mm-hmm. is going to leave me speechless yeah. um, because this is the last Carrie Fisher movie we're going to see. Right. And that's sad. It is. And mm-hmm. hard. For, for several reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm just going to kind of steal right out of Kylo Ren's playbook. And I just, I want to feel conflicted. I want to feel super sad for the closing of the saga. This is what I mean by all the emotions. And I want to feel like super elated mm-hmm. that something happened between Ray and Kylo that isn't Raylo. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess those are the, the things I want to, I want to feel balance, right. Of just shattered, sad, but elated at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want to need to call Uber cause I can't drive home. <laughs> I want it to be like that. I'll just be in the corner, just in a fetal position, shaking, crying. Oh, I don't know if I want to go see it with you now. Oh, <laughs> well, just you can leave me there. I'll be, I'll, I'll be back so the next morning pictures. for the first showing anyway. No, we, yeah, we might li- all be so me. emotionally distraught. None of us can drive home. Just group Uber. <laughs> Love it. All right, let's check out our number one news story of the week. Number one. All right, our top news story for the week, although it's not confirmed yet by Disney or Lucasfilm, we do have on pretty good sources going from StarWarsNewsNet.com, who has proven to be reliable over the years, says that we might be getting a Kenobi, not film, but a multi-part series on Disney Plus, the streaming service is launching this fall, and their sources apparently say that this could be in the neighborhood of six episodes no rumors uh, thus far at least on their website as far as how long those episodes may be we'll assume it's probably in that 45 to 60 minute range um listen bex let me begin with you on this let's assume that this is true since Mm -hmm. they've got a pretty good track record Uh, some of the evidence they give in addition to their anonymous sources are uh, they're they're listing some of the names that lucasfilm has registered in the uk that have also been done for previous films star and within the Star Wars universe, right? So mm-hmm. we know that I believe it. What was Episode Eight was titled uh, "Space Bear" was kind of the the the. <laughs> sorry, I'm so distracted. <laughs> you guys are getting texts and everything, and I just I'm thrown off by it. <laughs> All right, I'll pick up midstream here. <laughs> Do you see world what I'm having to work with? Yeah. I just leaned forward to try not to distract you. Oh, well, that worked. <laughs> My grandmother doesn't know I'm podcasting right now. I had to silence her phone call. Do you want to put her through the board and have her call in? <laughs> no, she doesn't know anything about Star Wars. We could enlighten her. <laughs> All right. Embarrass the Dickens out of her. Oh, the Dickens. <laughs> it's my grandmother. I know that's true. <laughs> She's keen, I'm sure. She is. Very keen. Anyways, continue. Anyways, let's go back. I'll pause. With that in mind, Bex, do you think that if, if this is indeed true, is this the great place for it? Is it the, the multi-part series on Disney Plus? We're going to get multiple episodes streamed into our house. We're going to get to know Obi-Wan even more because we're going to get more screen time with him. That's going to perhaps give some more nuanced and deeper looks into the character, his life on Tatooine and potentially elsewhere. Better than movie form? Yes. Let's start with that. That's hard because in my head I've had it as a movie. Yeah. So to then tweak my thinking and put it into a six-part series, whether it's 
you know, 45 minute episodes or yeah. hour episodes. Yeah. It's hard for me to get there because I think, what am I going to do with six hours of Obi-Wan? <laughs> well, or what are they going to do so, with so six hours what's interesting of Obi-Wan? Is that, that's been the concern of everybody. It's like, well, what are we going to do for, let, let's say, six episodes at 45 to 60 minutes each? So right. are, we're just going to like have time-lapse photography of him in the desert. Eventually his beard's getting longer and more right. gray. Is he just going to be yeah. eating locusts and like wandering aimlessly? Like, <laughs> What are we... Well, okay, we so, okay, so fair question though. But and I, first off, let me say that I am more excited about this than I have been because although an Obi Wan movie would have been spectacular, mm-hmm. I am such a fan of the serials to to really be able to to develop the storylines and the characters. Let's say that this is accurate. Okay, what are some things that you think might keep the viewer's attention for, let's say, six episodes? Because we have no idea whether he actually stays on Tatooine twenty four seven for those seventeen years. There right? would have to be some sort of inner struggle within him yeah. that we're exploring. Yeah. There would have to be some sort of um, almost good versus evil yeah. fight within him, where he knows he needs to stay and watch over Luke because that's what he's pledged to do. Yeah, but he's being called elsewhere, or right. he feels the need to be elsewhere. So there the has inner to conflict, be some sort of turmoil. Right, feels himself him. being torn apart. Right, right by the light and the dark. Um, so let me just follow up with that then, Bex. Let's say that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Let's say that there there is some type of, of action going on. But the other part of it is, you know, we, we have all of these parts of, of canon that point towards how he is communing with Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would want to see? Absolutely. Okay, if so kind goes, of the, the mystical side oh, of yeah. things? If okay. he goes on some sort of journey where he's like following where Qui-Gon is telling him to yeah. go so he can find this deeper truth yeah. in yeah. the Force, I'd be all in. Because I think just that type of solo journey, and I'm thinking in terms of like The Revenant, which mm-hmm. you know was basically a, a two-hour crawl across a field. It was indeed. In, indeed, right? With the bear fight. With the bear fight. You got to have the bear fight. So we could throw in like a, you know... a do back fight. But anyway, um, I'd be down. Right. With that though, is that, is that compelling for you? It is. Okay. It is because it is, it's diving deeper into that mystical side of the force, which we don't get a whole lot of. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Barb, let me ask you, let, let's say that this proves to be accurate and we've got an Obi-Wan series, regardless of how many episodes we may or may not get. From your perspective, what do you think that these episodes may tell us about Obi-Wan that we don't already know? What what new things, what new insights might we get about the character, about his mission, about whatever? That's a loaded question. And there's a lot there because we've got roughly 15 to 17 right, years. Right. He could be there and be going back and forth between mm-hmm. other places. I mean, I have my own theories of... Things I think would be cool. Yeah. Um, and I mean, who knows? If if we're going to get a series instead of the movie, which I was really hoping for. Yeah. Um, first off, as long as Ewan McGregor's involved, no problem. Okay. Um, I think that that would probably be fair to say that he's interested. Yes. Um, and then second, I mean, here's here's one of the things that I was thinking of. We've got the conclusion of episode nine. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's part of me, and I'm not. I know I'm not the only one out there that thinks that Ray is related to Obi Wan. Wow. Okay. And he has some kind of relationship and ends up being her grandparent. Mm. Okay. So that could be in there. There's a lot. There's so much. You've you've talked about the um, 
how he's communing with Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is 17 years that I think he didn't just stay in the desert. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested knowing where episode three leaves off, mm-hmm. right? Knowing where Rogue One leaves off, episode four picks up. To me, there's part of me that really wonders, it, does he spend some of his time in just absolute regret over yeah. his relationship with Anakin? I think there has to be some level of mourning going yeah. on. He's he's lost Anakin. Right. He's lost the entire Jedi Order. Right. All of his uh, Jedi friends are gone and dead. And everything that he believed in mm-hmm. when it came to you know the clone yeah. army and his his friends who were um, clones, right? <laughs> they they turned on him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's. And we don't get to see that in Revenge of the Sith. We see his utter devastation with Anakin. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that scene where they're fighting and he's like, you were like my brother. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, it it gives me shudders just to think of that. But there's more emotion than just that that yeah. he needs to deal with. Yeah. And I would hope that if it's going to be a series, that it's going to be more than six episodes and we would see some of that. We yeah. would see some of that pain that he's going through. Yeah. Do you think that at some point, and obviously we don't know, obviously it's up to the story group and, and what they want to give us. Would it make sense if we see him go through some type of breakdown? Absolutely. The same way in The Last Jedi that we saw Luke battling with Mm -hmm. his own emotions and regrets Mm -hmm. and really self-hatred. Yeah. We would need to see that with Obi-Wan also because, I mean, their stories very much parallel themselves. Mm. Mm. And so I would expect there to be some sort of inner turmoil and self-doubt and Mm. really like rock bottom hitting within Mm. him. Yeah. Um, And maybe if they did go into the mysticism and he, you know, gets in touch with Qui-Gon, like maybe that's the catalyst for it where he hits this rock bottom and mm. I don't know who I am anymore. Right. And what I believe in is not what I thought it was. Right. And that's how they tie in more of the mysticism of the force and that's what draws him back out. Yeah. It would be interesting. This is getting more and more intriguing now that we're talking about it. Well, I think that see, I've they always felt there's so us. much there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. They are. Um, <laughs> and that's why I've always been a fan of if this could happen, that it would come to a, a place where we had ample screen time to really have these large, ongoing, long arcs that are mm-hmm. that are part of the story. I mean, and Barb, this goes back to what you said. I mean, if we look at Obi-Wan's trajectory from episode one or even before, before that, but if we go from episode one up to episode four and we see – he lost Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. He lost Satine. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. his fellow Jedi, all the younglings, he, he lost his Padawan. Um, and, and here he is on this desert rock of all places looking after this kid and his mm-hmm. crazy uncle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in some of the, the canon in, in books we, we have, and actually in film too, we, we have – you know, Uncle Owen referring to him as crazy old wizard. So we, they've had some interaction along the way, right? I, I would love to see that. Like, yeah. Give, yeah. What, what gives Uncle Owen kind of the backstory to call him a crazy old wizard? I, like, is he doing kids' parties? What's he doing? <laughs> um, but I, I think that there is so much there. I don't think that we're giving enough credit to the character or, for that matter, the story team to, to just say, like, my God, what are they going to do for six episodes? Oh, 
they can do so much more than six episodes. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe we get more. I don't know. Is this, do you think, Bex, do you think that Obi-Wan is a safe bet? Or do you think that, oh, dear God, it's Obi-Wan if they screw this up like they screwed up Luke in The Last Jedi that I'm just going to rage? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, he is a safe bet because there is such a huge fan love yeah. for this character. Yeah. So he's a safe bet in so much as we're interested. Right. We want it. We'll watch. So they'll get the initial numbers. They'll get the initial numbers. And then what? And then it also is shaky ground because yeah. there is a huge fan following that right. loves Obi-Wan. Right. And if you screw him up. Yeah. Or the perception of him being screwed up. Or the perception of him being screwed up. If we are not satisfied at the end of six episodes or however many they give us with the outcome and we can't live with it. Yeah. There's we can't good, live with it. There's going <laughs> to be. Just <laughs> well, yeah. think about the last Jedi. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Point. I mean, there's going to be that huge backlash. Yeah. There's going to be. I'm. Very confident that there won't be, that they mm. will do him justice mm. um, if, in fact, we are going to get episodes out of this. Yeah. But, you know, well, so, yes, it's a safe bet and it's not. Yeah. And and you have to wonder, right, if Lucasfilm just kind of, if, if, if they listen to mm-hmm. backlash talk at all, if it's just kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher at this point. Where, wah, 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 I think it kind of has to be. Um, Barb, let me ask you this. When it comes to Obi-Wan, so many people completely disagreed with where Ryan Johnson took the character of Luke Skywalker. And let me just reemphasize that where the director took a fictional character <laughs> during a fictional movie. That being said, <laughs> as I mentioned before, the, the Obi-Wan we see in three is very different than the Obi-Wan we see in four, not just because of age. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens in those 15 to 17 years, do you think that those that had a challenge connecting the Luke Skywalker of episode six to episode eight will have the same challenge with Obi-Wan? It's like, wow, this isn't the Obi-Wan I know. That's an interesting question. The the thing is, I mean, if we get Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. we always ha- already have an established actor. Yes. Um, so in that way, he's relatable to the Obi-Wan of the prequels. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this huge jump in Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there'll be more understanding for his character arc and development in a series than there was for Luke in the last Wow. Jedi. Okay. So yeah. tell me why. Well, I think because... Because that's going to fill in a gap of seven, 15 to 17 years, whereas we don't have a gap of, what, 30 years yeah. for Luke? Yeah. And so people just had a very hard time with the Luke that ended in 1983 yeah. and the Luke that they saw in 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that alone, I, I think there were just so many people out there that don't understand that a person can change over 30 years. I've heard like, that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I, I haven't even lived that long, but I know I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I've changed. Whereas 
for Obi-Wan, because we have so many more films with him, and then it's filling in this gap of just 17 years instead of 30 years, there, yeah. there'll be more of an understanding of um, the ebbs and flows of his emotions, mm-hmm. what he's going through, what he has gone through in the yeah. prequels, yeah. and seeing just his character arc through a series. I think that will give people time to really relate to his character and empathize with mm. his character. If you were to picture this, would you picture this as more of a, a traditional drama approach or would you picture it as it's going to be, well, to put it in terms, Bex would understand fast and the furious 12 <laughs> where it's action packed. Do you have a preference? I prefer drama over action packed, yeah. but I'd like drama with some action, Okay, but not whatever term fast and furious that Bex is talking about. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting, like, what type of action there might <laughs> – type of action there's going to get in the desert. Um, <laughs> it, it will be interesting to see, like, if he cruises to Moss Eisley or, or where he might find himself stumbling into trouble. Bex, when it comes to <laughs> – I just can't win tonight. Bex, when it comes to yeah. action-packed Obi-Wan versus yeah. drama-packed Obi-Wan, do you have a preference on which way it would go if it, if it teeters in one direction over another? I would agree with Barb. I'd like yeah. to see it teeter more towards the drama side. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm with both of you on that. Let me ask this then. And, and Bex will stay with you. It, it was also mentioned when, when this was released, and actually a little bit before this was actually released, news of this from StarWarsNewsNet.com, there was a lot of talk about, oh, they're considering they, – Lucasfilm considering this, and they're considering this, and they're also considering that. Well – Yes, we can confirm that they're considering all of those things, right? They're mm-hmm. considering the Salacious B. Crumb miniseries, um, <laughs> Life of a Crumb. Um, Why are you not Life a writer on the crumb yet? Side. I, this is a question that I do not have an answer to. Um, of course, they're considering everything. They want to look right. at where fan interest is, where potential stories are, where the potential money is, all those things. But among some of the things that... Some sites speculated that they are maybe considering more seriously. Here are a few things mm-hmm. that they said. They said a Rose Tico series. Interested? Yeah, I could be interested in that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bar? No. No? Why no? It was such a popular character for so many people following oh, The Last Jedi. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved her character. Yeah. But when it comes to you know weighing rose tico over an obi-wan series a character that is way more established yeah. i'd i'd vote oh but i'm just i'm not i'm i would be saying like in addition to let's say obi-wan's a given mm-hmm. i'm just talking about other projects would 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 you watch a rose tico series oh i'd watch it yeah okay. i liked her okay uh some of the other characters brought up um phasma would you watch bex would you watch a phasma series no <laughs> Where and I don't say that just to am I right now? (laughs) No, because I feel like I know everything I want to know about Phasma after reading the book. (laughs) I'm wishing something was stronger than water in my mug right now. Barb, for all things good and holy, would you watch a Phasma series? Yes. Bex is over here shaking her head. I no, she she would absolutely be intriguing, and you know, as long as Gwendolyn Christie again, you know, you cannot change up these actors, or I will throw a fit. <laughs> and, and and no one throws a fit like a Canadian. Let me just get on true. the record and say that it's true. Um, 
<laughs> so here's the thing, right? The book that Delilah Dawson wrote gives an incredible backstory to mm-hmm. Phasma before she even joins the First Order, right? Right. We pick up with Phasma that she's already in charge mm-hmm. of so much. So the, like, the, there's this slice of when she first enters the First Order on her rise to the head of the Stormtroopers. As mm-hmm. my daughter says, she gives the boys the directions. Um where we've never actually seen her in battle other than like one-on-one versus Finn. Do, would you not want to see like her actually going into battle, perhaps firing a laser? You're going to be really mad at me for my answer. Oh, gosh. No, because I don't care. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> where am I right now? With your best friend you, for the last nine years. Well, listen, let's leave Barb out of this, but, um, <laughs> Are, are you telling me that you have more interest in Rose, Tico, than Phasma? I do because I have Phasma's backstory. I know she is ruthless and I know that she was ruthless to get to the top of the chain. Oh, man. For me, personally, yeah, I don't see her as a super, super multifaceted character. She is very point-driven. She is very in charge type a you listen to me or you die yes great it's rather exhilarating isn't it <laughs> that's <laughs> tantalizing <laughs> even that's great yes it doesn't interest me as much okay let me ask this thing because i'm going to sell you on this before we sign off tonight how about five bucks five bucks <laughs> You're on. Here we go. Here it is. No, I'm saying you pay me five bucks and that'll sell oh, me on I was going to get five bucks from you from convincing you because here's the storyline. All with, right, go ahead. We go with – in Rogue One, we have the Death Troopers, right? Yes. And we know that apparently most of them die. But like, there's no reason why the First Order couldn't resurrect something like that again, right? Right. Their own special Death Troopers 2.0. Right. Hopefully Knights a better name than that, yeah. right? <laughs> Interesting. Um what if it was based on that and she was just a part of the series? Then it wouldn't be a series about her. Can I? Can if she's a periphery character, great. But I wouldn't be interested in a series based on her. Okay. So you would be interested in a story that has her, just not called Phasma. Just like I would be interested in a series where C3PO was part of it, but it wasn't. All right. Based now on you're him. just being a jerk. <laughs> now you're just being a jerk. What you can't see, listeners of the podcast, the looks that I'm getting right now. <laughs> but those on Twitter can. <laughs> wow. <sighs> You've been hassling me this entire podcast. Oh, so this is this is the whole Luke and Leia thing. Okay. I get it. I get it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow, he can dish it out, but he can't take it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What the? Hey, I'm with you on this. So. Oh, yeah. I can tell. I feel it. it can you? Can you reach around to my back and pull that knife out, Barb? Um, Let me ask you this, Barb. Regardless if we get something that has Phasma in it or not, (laughs) or we get the the Rose Tico Mm -hmm. series, give me another character that you'd actually want to see some backstory on or some additional story on. Oh, wow. Um, Other than the ones that have been mentioned. Right. So we've got Cassian Andor. Cassian Andor. Mm -hmm. We've got The Mandalorian. Okay. And maybe Kenobi. Gosh. Um, it would be neat. Uh, can I can I not just focus on one character? 
because there are no rules, Barb. The old republic. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. See something pre prequel. Uh, pre prequel. Pre prequel. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I think a lot of people would, would be down for that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that when it comes to whatever series we get, whether it's Obi Wan, Cassian Andor, The Mandalorian, do we want to see connections to the future installments with our Ryan Johnson trilogies, with our Benny Off and Weiss trilogies? Barb says yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like tie-ins. Yeah, me too. And, you know, we had that with Rebels. We did. And it was amazing. When we saw the ghost in Rogue One? Yes. Yeah, thanks for the delayed response. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking of a literal ghost. And I was like, Boo. wait, what? Oh, yes. Sorry. It took me a minute to get there. Oh, good times. Bex? Yes. <laughs> Crossover appeal? Sure. I like having those Easter eggs from the stories before yeah. where yeah. they pop up. I don't think it needs to be super strong threads mm. tie in, but you know, just little pop ups here and there where you're like, oh, hey, I know that droid from this episode of yeah. this cartoon and this right. series. And well, even John Favreau that's... tweeted out a picture of was it R5D4 from the Mandalorian set, right? Yeah. The little, so the, the bad motivator droid. It's fun having those little Easter eggs pop up yeah. where you're like, okay, I can connect the dots. And... Jeremy will attest to this. And I don't know that I, I have, as an adult, ever felt a moment of giddiness like I did the first time that we were in the theater watching Rogue One and we saw. Gold leader and red leader come on screen. Oh yeah, I, that was amazing. It, I, I just I didn't know it was happening. Nothing that I had read previous to that even speculated that. Yeah, and that just brought my heart so much joy. And what was it like? Less than two seconds of film. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited, and I'm with my husband, and he's like, "Yeah, I get it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's that fun little issue yeah. where you're like, "Oh, it's there!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, well, let's uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back and jump into our closer look. Going in closer, one of the big ones. Closer, closer. Come closer, I have the news. A certain point of view. Same thing I always do, talk my way out of it. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. I never ask that question until after I've done it. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Speaking of Obi-Wan Kenobi, all right, so listen, we're in the midst of our series entitled What's My Line? Look at the most pivotal lines for characters that really not just are necessarily the most quotable, but ones that actually give us insight into the characters and maybe even bring some depth to the characters themselves are also those times when maybe the character says something that is really a turning point for him or her or I guess in case of some droids, it. So we haven't really spent a whole lot of time talking about droids within this series. And certainly, you know, we have so many droids that when we started to think about this particular talk for tonight, my goodness, I I started looking at all the droids we've come to know and and love over the years. And even ones that I'll just say like have a bit part, like who doesn't love a good cameo from a mouse droid? True. It is true, right? Going back to Rogue One again, it was like, oh, there, yes. There it was. Right? Yep. Um, and, and so it's interesting to think in terms of the underrepresented. Mm-hmm. All the events that, that we're so fond of within Star Wars, all those big moments, whether it's blowing up the Death Star, whether it's 
getting uh, off of a planet or out of a situation and garbage compact or whatever. Droids. Mm-hmm. Almost every swing in time. Mm-hmm. Droids. It's kind of crazy how much that we we overlook it. Almost like a, it's almost like a given in, in some ways. We'll save that part of the conversation for for another time because I, I think that we, we've touched on it before. Our very own Carl Hassler wrote an article. Gosh, I think maybe about two years ago, actually, they got a lot of traction talking about how droids are overlooked, and it really compares to even some of our own moments in U.S. history as far as um, just droids being treated almost like a second class citizen. Mm-hmm. So. Again, we'll come back to that. But for tonight, I just want to focus on droids, not any one particular droid in particular, and see, one, what are some of those moments where some of their dialogue has really made maybe a difference in the storyline, brought us insight to their um, their characters? And it could also be just another way to illuminate how droids are indeed overlooked. So with that in mind... Barb, let me begin with you tonight. Give, give us an idea of, I guess, how do you personally view droids within the Star Wars universe? And then give us some of those droids and or some of those droid lines that really kind of resonate with you. So droids on a whole for me, it it's hard because their characters are so different. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I say that with emphasis. We're talking about droids, but there is so much character behind them. Yeah. And, you know, for me... My favorite droid has always been R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Always. And we don't have necessarily dialogue from him. Mm. We have his mm-hmm. sounds, his beeps, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But what's amazing about him, even with his dialogue needing to be translated by C-3PO or never be translated, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. even Luke sometimes translating it, reading it on the X-Wing or understanding him, there's still times that we don't know exactly what he says. But his emotion is conveyed. Mm-hmm. His feelings are conveyed. Yeah. And this all coming from a droid. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about R2-D2 specifically. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't say lines for him, unfortunately. But there's these scenes where we see silliness, we see excitement, we mm-hmm. see sadness. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes of him is on Dagobah. He's just been eaten in the swamp and he gets spit out. Yeah. And... <laughs> And, you know, Luke's taking care of him. You know, are yeah. you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Everything like that. He's like, oh, R2, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then, you know, out of nowhere, R2 just spits a bunch of stuff out and yeah. then turns to him like, <laughs> wasn't that funny? You know, like it makes yeah. you laugh. Yeah. yeah. And to give you that emotion. And then he's also got this sad side. I, I can't think of all the specific moments. There's the time when Luke is lost on Hoth and they mm-hmm. have to close the, mm-hmm. the doors right. and he's left outside and you know, R2's sad and right. we, we can tell that by his sounds. And you've got the scene at the end of a new hope where he's, you know, jumping around and beeping in excitement to me. I just I love that depth that we can get from a droid that has no understandable dialogue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well said. And I think that would go the same with Chopper from Rebels. Yes, I was I was actually going to say. Yeah, that. well, go ahead then. Go continue on with that map. Well, because Chopper is he's he's my he's my next favorite mm. other than BB-8. Mm. You know, because yeah. BB-8 continues that as well, and yeah. we get we get the ability with BB-8 to like put his head down in mm. sadness when he mm-hmm. finds out that. Um, Poe is quote unquote dead. He's mm-hmm. not, you know, those are the kind of things, but Chopper, Chopper was so silly mm. and he's, he's 
pieced together by Hera, and he's his sounds are very different mm-hmm. than R2, so mm-hmm. that alone gives him his own character separate right. from R2-D2. Right. Um, so, yeah, I love the astromech droids. Mm. Absolutely love them. I have a few other lines, you know, from the ones that we actually get dialogue from. Uh, K2SO was a welcome change for droids. Mm. You know, yeah. he just had that slapstick, you know, quiet, and there's a fresh one if you mouth off again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those kind of lines. Yeah. Um, and then... Then we go into solo with L3. Now, granted, you know, I was talking to Eve ahead of time and she was giving me more insight into Eve. And one of the ones she pointed out was when Lando's like, can I get you anything? And mm. she's like, equal rights. <laughs> yeah. And that goes into what you were yeah. talking about with yeah. droids being seen as the second class right. and not having, right. you know, exactly what Carl wrote about. Right. Yeah. Just to facilitate whatever the humanoid need mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we look at R2, we look at Chopper, BB-8 you mentioned, even the, even the squeaky little mouse droid. I think that <laughs> the sound designers who make and the these droids, these I'm using the term lifeless, but like we can debate that at another time, oh, right? Yeah. But the, these lifeless droids and to emote emotion with yeah. sounds. It's, it's incredible. And it really I would is. say the same is true with Chewbacca's dialogue for that mm-hmm. matter too. You go back to the echo based door closing on Hoth, and my goodness, it's it's yeah. I think second only to, to probably the sound he gives off when Solo dies in in Episode Seven. Um, Bex, from your perspective, mm-hmm. give me some droids that are top of your list, and maybe some of those moments in dialogue where they've really kind of given a window of insight into that droid's character. Well, it's hard to do because Barb took all my answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So now I have to like go with my backup lines. Mm. Um, I agree. K2SO is probably my favorite speaking mm. droid where we can actually understand what he's saying. Um, and he was a welcome change because he, he was probably for me the most human of the droids that mm. we've encountered. Mm where his reactions were the most sarcastic, the most um, witty mm. in the way he spoke. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, yeah. you, for me, be watching the story, you almost forget that he's made out of metal mm. and mm. doesn't have the same, which we can debate, but doesn't have the same emotions right. as Cassian and Jin. And right. right. goes into the same with the same ideas of this is life or death and yeah. things like that. Um, some of my favorite lines from him I wrote down was that I'll be here for you. The captain said I had to, <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines that, and when she shoots the other droid and he goes, did you know that wasn't me? Yes. 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 <laughs> it's just so great because those are such human responses. Right. Right. They're such like tangible, like, wait a minute. Did you know that wasn't me? And yeah, I'll be here for you because that guy who I'm loyal to, I'm here actually for right, him. Right. He says I have to be here yeah. for you. So I will be. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a sense of just like not only like dry humor, but just straight up honesty. Yeah. Almost like you would get from like a, a little kid, like with just like so like horribly honest. And I think that's <laughs> one of the things that's so great about droids is like you said, you get that honesty mm. like you do from kids. So yeah. they almost are like um almost like the conscience mm. mm-hmm. of the stories because yeah. 
they're unfailingly honest. Yeah. You know, R2 says you have a 792 points at a percent chance, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that's unfailingly honest. Right. And there's no filter. Yeah. Which you get with kids. Yeah. So true. Well, so let's, let's bring up, you you mentioned C-3PO and of course we have to go to our very own Amy Wishman for insight on, on C-3PO because Lord knows I won't give any on my own. So <laughs> I, I asked Amy, I said, give me some insight on C-3PO. And here, <laughs> here here's what she said. And I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm getting all this correct. So I've got to put on my glasses here to read this. Okay. Um, so she said that she consulted Emily, who is her daughter. And here are some 3PO quotes that they really feel, again, is kind of going on, on what you, you brought up, Bex, is that that honesty, that we're doomed, right? <laughs> uh, you, you can picture him saying that. There's no pulling punches. Yeah. There, 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 Just... when you, once you've said we're doomed, there, there, there doesn't leave a whole lot of room for guessing, right? Um, another thing that she, she said, uh, <laughs> she, she refers to see through Bill as um, someone who is famous for cock blocking. Um, <laughs> kids, you can look that up uh, on your own. Uh, so the quote here is, you probably didn't recognize me because of my arm. Of course, going to The Force Awakens when he's got his, his red arm. He does have an uncanny ability for showing up at the most inopportune times, especially oh, yeah. for Han Solo. Um, just like a kid. Just like, yeah, right? <laughs> Good point, Bex. Here are some other things um, that, that she brought up. He's, you know, he's fluent in over 7 million languages, which he doesn't have a problem reminding us again and again. And then she says that it's not really a quote, but the moment that C-3PO tells the rebel story to the Ewoks is so crucial to the overall story of Mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi. Then she says they would not have won had he not gotten the Ewoks to help. Hmm. I'm not going to push back on that because Amy's not here to defend herself, but (laughs) she and I will carry that conversation forward. Anyway, um, with that in mind, there's no question that C-3PO and R2-D2, they, they are they're the Laurel and Hardy in, in so many ways, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're for comedic relief. They're there for uh, companionship, not just of each other, but to the characters and the cast as, as a whole. I have to tell you that, you know, Bex, I think it was you that said that K2SO is one of like the most quote unquote like human like, and I think that L3 would fit into that category yeah. as well. I think L2 is really a product of where we're at politically and culture wise mm-hmm. right now. I, I think that that particular character echoes a lot of what we're seeing in in the real time in the real world. I have to say though, um, a droid that wasn't mentioned, and you can find him in in the Star Wars Marvel comic line. And that is, it's it's the black version of C-3PO known as Triple Zero. And listen, just imagine C-3PO that's just black with red eyes and is the antithesis in personality as C-3PO. And he's he's as straightforward as C-3PO. Right. But just with evil. very malicious intent. In fact, um, here's one of his quotes. Hello, I am Triple Zero and I'm looking forward to immensely to torturing you today. Now listen. <laughs> Not only do I love that because it leaves no room for speculation, I might even adopt that for when the kids come in my classroom <laughs> and, and just throw that out there. Um, I, I think that it's kind of fun to see a droid be evil. Mm-hmm. I, I think that so many times we, we think about companionship and R2 and BB-8, we'll fix the antenna and they make some cute beeps and the mouse droids and all that. But like 
triple zero is just sinister. And I love it. He is, because he's a companion for the dark side. Yes, but isn't that fascinating, though? I absolutely love that. I think we need more of that. Here's the other one. When it comes to pivotal dialogue, I'm going to go back to K2SO. Mm -hmm. And I think that, first off, probably more than anybody that died in that film, like the emotional meter was on tilt Mm -hmm. when K2SO was going down slowly. I cried. Yeah, I like. I'm still just kind of getting a little, little verklempt right here. Um, but his, as as he's dying, as he's dying, right, he just says, "Climb, climb." And my, like, my goodness, if that's not a pivotal line, I don't know what is. And to think that once again, if not for that droid, mm-hmm. we don't have the plans. If mm-hmm. we don't have the plans, it doesn't matter because R two's not getting a message from Leia to go to Luke, to get Obi-Wan, and we don't have the plans of the destiny. It's just, it's amazing how much this galaxy depends on droids. Well, mm-hmm. you can say the same about L3. Yeah. Because her death was yeah. really emotional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There. But it was necessary because she becomes a part of the Millennium right. Falcon. Right. And, you know, her extensive maps of the right. universe right. help the Millennium Falcon be what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you... Devin, you even said like her character is really interesting because she's she has so much human character, but in a feminine way. Like mm-hmm. to see a droid be so feminine mm. and yeah. say things to Lando like, uh, "You're going to need to do that thing later." <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> I can feel you watching. <laughs> yeah, when she and Kira are having yeah. the conversation, so that was the next one I was going to say. She's having that conversation like. I don't I don't remember all the lines she says, but it's you know, we would never work out. But right. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliantly written. That character was brilliantly written yeah. and and acted. There's no doubt about that. Well, and then, you know, she's even when she's kind of just putting Lando in his place too, about, you know, you can't even find your way to Black Spire, which nice drop for the upcoming novel and theme park right. at, at Disney World and Disneyland. <laughs> but you can't even find your way to, to Black Spire and you want to navigate the Kessel Run. I, I just – it's funny because Bet you brought up like the tie-ins, the, the little Easter eggs here and there. Right. That certainly being one of them. But like, like you brought up though, like she just doesn't take it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. Going forward – We've got nine. We've got some other trilogies. What role would you like to see droids play in whatever we haven't yet experienced as fans? Barb? So a way we haven't experienced. Yeah. I mean, what what are some things that you would really like to see, whether it is a story arc that involves how droids are viewed, whether it's – is it is it too daring to think like, actually, we're going to have a series on Disney Plus that's about – wait for it droids not to be confused with the droids cartoon that came out in the 1980s yeah don't you have a dvd on that i, I do thanks <laughs> who got you that? oh someone that i care tremendously about that's what i thought yeah i don't know um because you know you know the story group has done such a great job of giving us different arcs with the droids yeah mm-hmm. um i think it would be interesting just to see a droid more in battle and mm. not like the battle droids, yeah. um, more on the rebel side, the mm. good side, fighting as K2SO did, but more in a, I don't know, more in a, what's the word I'm looking for? 
kind of looks like the Terminator, <laughs> but like just like a, a fighting droid on the good side. Mm. And would you want it to be so we would experience like the insight, like from their perspective? Because like battle droids literally were whatever. Diamond well, exactly. Dozen, right? I yeah, and that's what I didn't like about the battle droids. Yeah. But it made mm-hmm. sense for the Trade Federation to have sure. them. It's it means more to have depth to the droids yeah. and to have character. And that's what I mean. I'm, I'm singling out one droid that would be fighting on the rebel side. And yeah. K2SO did that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't I get a gun or why does she, something like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Bex, how about you? If we see more droids down the road, what are some things that you would like to see? I mean, we've got some, some pretty good examples of, of how some themes and character arcs of droids tend to go that there there's some predictability about it which is mm-hmm. great is there any place that you want to be taken where we haven't gone yet with droids not really mm-hmm. because for me personally i don't think droids can stand alone mm. they because at the end of the day they are companions mm. and so if there is no one and nothing for them to be a companion to mm-hmm. I think they lose their purpose in a lot of ways. Do you think the same would be true for L3? I do. Okay. Because she had a devotion to Lando Mm -hmm. that is inherent of all droids. And, I mean, that's one of the things you love about droids is they're loyal to the very end. Yeah. And if you take away the person they're loyal to, do they lose do they lose their purpose and do they lose their drive? So if you only had a group of droids interacting together, Mm. would they be able to find purpose? Mm. Interesting. Hmm. I think that's an interesting insight and I'm going to have to like think on that for a while. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to kind of think in terms of we've talked about a little bit tonight about how essential droids are to the galaxy. But yeah, if we take out, we won't just limit it to humans, but the, the humanoids where, right. you know, the, okay, I hate even using the sentient beings, right? And again, don't at me. We'll have another discussion about that at some other point, including we'll bring our friend, uh, author Adam Bray into there because he's got some thoughts on that based on some of his previous experience while he was living in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. There's a connection there, but you're going to have to come back for it at some point. I know. It would be interesting though to, to see a, 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 a humanoid or non-droid free environment. I mean, we, we assume because droids did things like build the Death Star and things like that. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I would want a series about, you know, Death Star Builders Droid Union 1157. <laughs> and, you know, we, we get into, we get to, we get to inside their union meetings. Um, <laughs> they're going to protest the emperor work strike. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I would love to see, Based on what you said, Max, I would love to see, like, what would that look like? Like, that's truly fascinating to me. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that thought. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. Mm, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this, my little tauntauns. We're not done yet. Well, if Eve were here, here's what she'd say. All of our fan fiction is now posted on unmistakablystarwars.com. It's there for you to read, enjoy, and hey, while you're there, 
vote. Vote for which one is your favorite. We've got a short story category. We've got a novella category. And the winners of those two categories are going to get some pretty cool stuff. So read some cool fiction. Vote. It's a win-win for everybody involved. Also, um, speaking of win-win for everyone involved, we, we've got this little uh, contest we're doing on the interwebs right now. What? Yep, it's true. We want to send a listener to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Well, I guess I should refine that. Otherwise, our lawyers will get upset. We don't have lawyers. But if we did, they'd get upset. <laughs> We're not sending you, but we will give you a five-day pass. Good for all five days of Star Wars Celebration. How you get there, we don't really care. We don't want to know. We, to you. <laughs> we will not be an alibi for you. Um, <laughs> but we, we would love to see you there. So if you're interested in going to Star Wars Celebration and would love a five-day pass, which has been sold out since last spring is my understanding, then you have an opportunity to, to enter this. There is no cost to enter anything. All the details are on unmistakablystarwars.com. You can also look at some of our Twitter tweets of the recent week or so that will give you all the information on that. If, however, you wanted to increase your chances, you can do that by becoming a USW patron. In fact, for every dollar that you pledge, you get 10 extra entries, which is a lot. Man. Like, that's pretty good, right? That's good. Yep. Pledge five bucks a month. And you get, what is that, like 50 entries? 50 entries. That's pretty stinking good. I might even do that. I was going to say, I'm, I may I might just, do I that. may just do that. And then sell it on eBay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, people. Don't be one of those people. We want to meet you there. Yes. In fact, you'll have to be there because we'll have to give you the badge in person. <laughs> ah, suckers! <laughs> and that's how we get you. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> hey, our winner is going to um, be drawn later um, in March, and we are going to announce it. We'll announce it live on one of our broadcasts Monday night. We usually kick off things around 7.15 p.m. on the Pacific Coast. And um, we'll, we'll make sure to have all the details for you on Twitter shortly. And if you are a current patron, by the way, you're, you've already got all the extra entries. I mean, you know, feel free to up your chances. But you, you're already counted in the drawing as well. If you haven't swung by YouTube lately, we've got a new series. I think we've got three or four episodes up already. So nice little bite size. I believe this is French Barb, the amuse-bouche, right? Just that 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 palate tasting thing to make you say mm, it's small but it tastes so good and that is jeremy's new series called prequels and a pint so prequel fans feel free to swing on by our youtube channel which you can also access from unmistakablystarwars.com and check out prequels and a pint it's kind of fun and our patrons of course have gotten all the episodes ahead of time and in fact there is a patron exclusive episode that's going to go up in just a couple of days speaking of of our patrons, we of course want to thank each and every one of yous. See what I did—a little East Coast thing because Eve isn't here tonight. We thank every one of yous for listening, but of course, we also want to thank our patrons. Talking about you, Brandon Boylan, Jim Capron, Derek Deverney, Dave Hackerson, Michelle Grandine, Matthew Keegan, Steve Long, Neil Lowry, Mario Piper, Kyle Russell, Regina Sanders, Connie She, Aaron Sinner, Chris Smolenski, Franklin Taylor, Michael Ward, Amy Wishman. Esther, who is in the island of Japan, that is poning up two bucks a month for me to continue to say, especially this on Droids Week on USW, I love C-3PO. What would we do without him? <laughs> so much. We would do so much without C-3PO. But nonetheless, I love that droid. Thank each and every one of you for hanging out with us each and every week. 
We enjoy our time together, whether it is through the podcast app or live on social media. That's going to do it for this time, little Tauntauns. The circle is now complete. We'll see you next time in the digital docking bay. And until then, may the force be with you. Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. This party's over.